that's that's one thing. I'm hip. I, I surf the web. I text. LOL. Laugh out loud. OMG. Oh my God. WTF? Why the face? Um, you know, I know all the dances to High School Musical. So. We're all in this all right hello and welcome to the kentucky dad podcast brought to you by sb nations a sea of blue big blue drew here and i'm really glad to be back we took a little bit of a break from the dad podcast we're focusing a little bit more on the sports stuff so if you're uh, living under a rock you know that kentucky will not be playing an ncaa tournament louisville will not be playing an ncaa tournament so thought it was a good idea to go ahead and turn the page and get some dad podcasts going again. I'm really, really excited. Um, today we have an awesome guest, a brand new dad, um, a local sports journalist here in Louisville, or, or not sports, but just in general, our nightly news anchor, one of our biggest faces in Louisville, and new dad um, from WLKY, Stefan Dingle, is joining us this evening. So, Stefan, thank you so much um, for coming on with us, man. Of course, glad to be here, man. I love, I love the intro. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I had to take it. I had to take a throwback. I think the first ever dad pod I did, um, I had to start with Phil Dumpy. This is he's just the the stereotypical yeah. cool dad, as like obviously. So I, okay. I wanted to throw it back there, um, today. But you know, man, I, I teed you up a little bit, so we'll just jump right into it. Um, on the yeah. dad podcast, we always start. I just kind of had the guests go over. You know, who's a good TV or movie dad, or maybe even a few, but. Um, so I teed you up a little bit. Are there any TV movie dads that um, you really resonate with or that are just your favorite in general? Um, let's see. Uh, so Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is like my favorite like sitcom of all time. Um, and that's like bold to say because it's like you've got a lot of great examples out there. But for me, uh, Uncle Phil was like it. Like, if you didn't watch the episode where Will's dad comes back into his life and like leaves and they're in the they're in the empty living room, right? And, or, or yeah, it was like it was the empty living room and like mm -hmm. he's hugging, he was like, Why doesn't he love me? Like, I get chills just yeah. talking about it because I'm like, that moment for me when I was younger and I was a kid, you know, my dad, my dad wasn't around when I was growing up, so I'm sitting here and I'm like, Oh my god, as a, like a young boy, right? I'm all masculine, I'm manly, I'm like, Oh my god, is, is this is this feelings? I think these are feelings. And Uncle Phil was just like, I feel like resembles kind of who I am today. I'm like the stubborn, like it's like a dad mode, right? It's like, oh, it's not that cool. But, you know, hey, I'll celebrate you every now and again. It's just being a good mixture of all these different, you know, roles that you have to play that, hell, I'm sure you learned when you became a dad and I'm learning right now. You know, no day is the same. And it's just, you know, it's like a different freaking emotion. I'm like eight different people at once. Yes. One thing that's helped me with two kids, even though nothing is helpful once you add two <laughs> to the mix, is that I'm at least appreciating with my son, who's the younger one, that um, I know it's all temporary. So that's some quick advice I'll give you is like, whatever stage you're going through, um, I made the mistake with my first one of just kind of being like, um, I can't do this every day. Like, I'm not going right. to be able to, you know, they're not sleeping. I, I can't. But it's temporary. In two months, you'll overcome that challenge. And it'll be something new that you'll be dealing with. So, um, again, we have Stefan Dingo, 5 p.m. Um, anchor on WLKY here in Louisville. Um, big sports fans, too, so we're going to get into some of that. Um, as far as my uh, TV or movie dad goes, I was drawing a blank. I try to just throw one out of, like, whatever I'm watching at the yeah. moment right now. But I'm not really watching a ton that would be applicable other than, right. I kid you not when I say that I, I watched – to one of the four Toy Story movies at least twice a day. And that's like, that's like once I'm home after six o'clock. I mean, it's, it's bad. We're trying to wean him off, but I mean, I know that shit. I mean, the kid want, the kids, kid wants what they want, what they want. I mean, Toy Story is a pretty great franchise that pretty much is like my childhood. And I may or may not have cried in one of the movies, like later in the, in the franchise. And oh, I man, can't they confirm or deny it. And I'll say for sure that if there was going to be something that he's focused on, yeah. Toy Story is cool. It's definitely at least one that, I mean, it, at this point, I'm definitely numb to it. Um, yeah. But what my, my dad was going to be, and I've actually been thinking about this, and I wanted to pose the question on Twitter because there's, yeah. there's many theories, Stefan, but if you notice, you never really see Andy's dad in Toy Story. There's no You're mention right. of Andy's dad. Huh. And so it got me thinking, you know, is Andy's dad at work? Does Andy not have a dad? Is Andy's right. mom his dad? So I just wanted to shout out Andy's mom on the podcast <laughs> Okay, she must be playing dad because um, Andy's well, Andy, a great kid. Yeah, I was going to say Andy's dad sounds like he's owed some child support because we ain't yeah. seen that man at all. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, never. And they never mentioned it. So, But it, but a couple of the theories, though, a lot of the theories um, correlate Woody to being owned by Andy's dad. 
which kind of makes sense. You know, they, they say he's in the 50s, but that was a really good um, transition kind of there, too, because yeah. your, your TV dad was actually an uncle to Will, right. I guess, necessarily. So, and I've also heard, too, about the scene that you mentioned. I know I've seen a meme and stuff where, like, don't they say that that was, like, actual real emotion? Like, you know, it was almost like they were talking about Will's real, Will Smith's real life. Yes. Um, that emotional over that. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, like, super nerd when it comes to, like, all things Fresh Prince and Will Smith because I just think he's, like, amazing. Like, if I could go replicate somebody being, like, a three-headed monster, it would be him and, like, Jamie Foxx, believe it or not. Like, to be able mm-hmm. to sing, act, and be funny. I mean, it's just, he's a part of a cultural generation, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when I studied this up, or I, I forget what clip I saw, because I think they have the reunion that's on um, HBO Max, uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah, reunion. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And, and I have not watched it yet. I know, shocking, right? I've been, like, waiting so I can watch it by myself, because I feel like it's going to be super emotional. I don't want my wife to be next to me, and, like, because, you know, then they put their arm around you and then it just ruins the moment. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I do remember a clip from there where Will Smith was like, I, I resonated with that role and it was real tears. Like I felt that. And he said that when he was brought in by um, Uncle Phil and he was hugging him and at, at the end of that scene, he said, when they did cut, he said, Uncle Phil had whispered in his ear. He said, now that's acting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. This is like, this is what you, you, you like, this is what you want to hear. Like, this is Will Smith in his infantry. You know, at that time, what, he's like a pop culture star, summer, summertime, you know, mm-hmm. doing the rap. And he's trying his, his stardom at acting on this NBC sitcom that's like new, right? But he's like the star. And he's having to learn how to be a great actor. And he, and he talked about how Uncle Phil helped him with that. Um, and, and, you know, Obviously, we know all the blockbusters he had thereafter. I mean, Men in Black, uh, Independence Day, mm-hmm. Shall I Go On? I mean, his dude just so quietly has been still doing this. And then he had the nerve, right, to go and marry this woman named Jada Pinkett, now Smith, and have, like, these two iconic-ass children. Yep. And, like, they're just killing the game. He's out here doing stuff for fun. I mean, he now has a thing on Netflix. I was just watching this recently. You should totally check it out. Uh, it's called Amend. Okay. And it talks about the importance of the 14th Amendment in the Constitution and how it's, it's like an equality for rights of all people. And dude, the way he directed this thing and put it together, you're just like, you can see the creative genius at work. And it's something to really appreciate. God forbid when his day may come, that's like a whole tribute in and of itself. And it's like a story still being written. And so yep. it's like you just appreciate that stuff from afar. You're so right, too, just about Jamie Foxx and Will Smith in general. Like, it's easy to kind of discount those guys' talent. And right. I know they've had some corny projects along the way. They catch yeah. a lot of hate and stuff like that. But, man, those guys are really, really talented. And I like to think that – I mean, I know I've been riding with Jamie Foxx from the beginning because I was a oh, big yeah. and Living Color fan. Like, oh, I yeah. always liked them Living Color. Like, my mom yes. – uh, I don't know if she should have been letting us watch it, but we'll watch that a lot. <laughs> and um, I still try to get some of that stuff. But man, if you look back at some of that dude's characters from In Living Color yep. and you're like, oh, this, this guy's going to win an Oscar. He's going to, you know, it's, like you said, essentially be a, a pop icon. I mean, you would never have believed yeah, that. So very for cool sure. for them, especially, um, <clears throat> you know, like you said, they do so much now for um, just social injustice education and just yeah. kind of being the, the face of, um, you know, things that people can look up to, which is so important. Yep, surely. Well, man, let's talk about you a little bit. So, I, I mean, I know, uh, so we have a mutual friend, so we've actually met, which <laughs> yep. is uh, sometimes that's not the case um, with some of the people that I have on the dad podcast. But that being said, I'm still um, definitely probably going to learn a lot about you. I know yep. that um, I'll spoil it. I know you're a Baltimore native. You're a big yeah, sports baby. fan. I know that they mm-hmm. love they love their sports. I know you're a passionate um, Ravens fan. But, man, just kind of talk to us a little bit about, I know you're a new dad, all that stuff, and then just kind of how you, um, you wound up in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, yeah, man. So, you know, the career is always the guider for me. Um, you know, being a news anchor here, uh, I came from Birmingham, Alabama before here, uh, where I was primarily a reporter. I was out in these streets, if you will, chasing the breaking news. And I actually, I tell people all the time that I miss working in Birmingham, Alabama, because for all the connotations that come with it, it's like, yes, those things are true, but like, there's really good people there. Um, and there's uh, crazy stories, man. Like mm-hmm. I can go up and down the list of the crazy stories I've covered that would like, if we were had a drink, we were sitting over, uh, over a, a glass of bourbon, like, dude, I, you would not be bored. And so for me, it, it made me who I am to be able to, as a journalist, to be able to flourish as I am here in Louisville, uh, because in reality, uh, WLKY came and snatched me from Birmingham before my contract was up. So um, they were like, hey, do you want to come up here and, you know, anchor the morning news? So 
in in my line of work, you know, that's an opportunity you go you go take. You know what I mean? Um, and for me, it was going to be a learning experience. Um, I had done my research on Louisville. I had never been here before the interview, so uh, you can imagine my um, mm -hmm. sense of uh, morbidity mor mor when uh, the plane was doing its what I now know is the flight path as it goes over into Indiana and then circles mm -hmm. back. So that was when I opened the window and I saw, all I saw was kind of the playing fields of Indiana. And I was like, where the hell am I at? And so finally it comes across the river and I see the downtown sky and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, this is cool. And, um, and the station, you know, obviously there's a, you know, everybody does a good job here, in my opinion, when it comes to the different stations and whatnot. But, you know, WOKY has been one of the stations that is big in the community. Um, that's important for me as a guy from Baltimore City who grew up in poverty, um, you know, grew up with a single mother who was raised by a grandmother. And, you know, really all those things have kind of guided me and aided me in who I am today as a journalist, right? Because, I, if you will, as the cool kids say these days, I want my Instagram to match my reality. Uh -huh. You know, we, we see a lot of posturing on social media of, you know, people trying to promote themselves. And oftentimes it's not aligned with what's really going on. And for me, my, my goal is always to uh, kind of show people, you know, what God can really do. And I, you know, I try not to get super religious on people, but um, I, tell my, I tell folks all the time, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't quote a scripture from the Bible. I said, my, my experience with God and, and, and religion and all those things is by experience. You know, I mean, this kid growing up in Baltimore, literally living in the, like, I'm a product of my environment, you know, like, um, there's, 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 there's drug deals going, there's people being shot or killed or whatever. Um, that stuff is happening around me. I knew who the undercover cop was in my neighborhood. That's how much you knew what was going on in your hood, if you will. And my grandmother, uh, God rest her soul, you know, she would wake me up every morning when I was like starting in elementary school um, to watch the news. And we'd be watching WJZ and we, she'd wake me up at five something in the morning and I watched the early morning news and I still remember their names. It was two male anchors, believe it or not, in the morning. Mm. Uh, it was Don Scott and Marty Bass and like I uh, woke up to the soothing voice of Don Scott. <laughs> that sounds Mar made up. Marty Bass definitely sounds like a made up news oh, name. <laughs> dude. And he was something. Here's the thing. He was a news anchor and a meteorologist and he was just like the guy in town it's like it's like having your guy from barge town you know not bardstown but barge town it's like the guy who knows a guy who knows a guy in louisville that's kind of what marty bass is like in baltimore you know knowing sports uh if the ravens win or lose on monday you can expect him to have a hot take and everybody's tuning in um but anyway um she raised me doing she raised me up to watch the news and then when shit would go down in my you know um neighborhood dude, I would cop on my bike and get on my rollerblades and go ride to wherever it was happening. And I would literally watch the scene develop. And like, and I would not leave until like they wrapped the scene up. And then I would go ride my ass back home. And uh, I would tell my grandmother who would be sitting on the porch, everything that just happened. Now in a black household growing up, you know, we could say, we, we could both sit here and say, Drew, that the sky is blue. But in the black household, it's going to be, yo, let me tell you, yo, it was so blue. Like, it's like dramatic, over-dramatizing the story. So I've already got that kind of in, in, in my saddle as I'm like telling her what happened around the corner. And um, little did I know that this whole time in my adolescence, she's like preparing me to be exactly what I am today. And that is to tell stories, you know, um, because I kind of look, you know, you'll, you'll hear the corny line for people in journalism and I'll say, oh, I want to be, I want to tell the untold stories. And it's like, they don't really even know what that shit means, you know? Mm -hmm. And my thing is, is I always feel like I'm going to be in touch with that because I feel like I am an untold story, right? You know, you, you, we, we were messaging earlier. You're like, I didn't know you went to Columbia. It's like, yeah, yeah, I did. But it's like, for me, it's like, that's, that's, that's a part of being who you are. It's not about boasting what you've done and how many degrees you have. It's about what are you doing for people? How are you making them feel? Are you having an impact? You know what I mean? And, and, um, and my way of doing that is, yes, I may be sitting on this anchor desk, but, you know, to people that are in West Louisville, South Louisville, all the, all the dilapidated communities around this viewing area, I try to make an emphasis on the stories there because I want them to know that me sitting where I sit at WOKY is literally just an extension to them. You know, I don't know what I don't know, but I need you to tell me where the stories are so I can go in and I can do my best job and not only telling the story, but changing a mind of somebody who lives in prospect 
or one of these other well-to-do communities where they may not necessarily be against you. They just don't understand. Because, I mean, what, what do we have in our society? We have a lot of ignorance, right? Some, some of it willful. Um, but I still don't give up hope in, in what I'm called to do. I, I truly feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. And, you know, when you are fulfilling your purpose, everything that happens in your life really is aligned to continue to aid what you are blessed to do, right? So to bring it back to the dad pod, right? Me having a child, dude, it's transformational, you know, it's transformational. And my wife and I, we, we've had discussions about, you know, she's, you know, you know how it is, new moms, they sometimes will feel defeated or they're not being a good parent. Um, you know, that kind of is the path to postpartum, right? And you know what I did? I went and I did research and I wanted to make sure that I can help her, you know, avoid those feelings, you know, as best I could. And early on, I mean, I'm used to, I'm the eldest of four siblings. You know, I was a kid in Baltimore, literally at like age eight. Um, who had the grocery list with the money that my grandmother gave me to go ride the bus to the grocery store to get the groceries at eight years old. Now, could you imagine that today? Somebody would call Child Protective yeah. Services and be like, what the hell are you doing, right? Um, but that was life in Baltimore, right? And then I was also the kid around that same age where, okay, me and my siblings were at home, we're hungry, you know, grandmother's at work and mom is wherever because my mom had me when she was 16. So, you know, she's, she's living her life. She's out in these streets doing whatever. Um, I would go to the grocery store and ask people that need help with their bags for money, help them carry the bags to the car, all that. And then I would go walk my ass over to McDonald's and the dollar menu is my friend still to this day. And I would run it up like it was Monopoly money, man. And I would take the food back and feed my siblings. So you then fast forward to now me being a dad. It's like I have been domesticated since I was like a youngster, you know, having to grow up faster than a lot of kids who were my age. And so naturally when I'm trying to take care of uh, my baby Devin, you know, whether it be how I get her to stop crying or how to, you know, change that diaper quickly or do all like just changing a diaper period, right? Usually that's like, like the, the weird thing for dads when they're new and they don't have experience. It's like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm over here like doing it. Like I've known how to do this my whole life. And I'm having to tell my wife, you know, Hey, my life experiences are different from yours. That doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes me as your partner, right? More inept and more in line to help you in this partnership. You know, we even do things, uh, you know, I try to make sure mental health is always at the forefront, especially after this past year, right? Um, you know, understanding um, that I have to exude love in ways that I may not have necessarily received, you know, as a male, right? I didn't have dad there to say, hey, it's okay, son, to cry. It's, a, it's okay to you know, hug and say, I love you and doing those things and, you know, to treat women with the utmost respect at all times. Um, and so my wife and I, we do this thing where, you know, we make sure we hug each other twice a day since this baby came. Like we make sure we do that twice a day. Cause let me tell you, you got to sneak a cuddle in here and there. Mm -hmm. Baby yeah. sleep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's total separation. And what that, what that physical touch does, right. It just reminds each other that, Hey, we're in this thing together. Let's just keep communicating. Some days we're going to be frustrated at each other, but we know this. It's kind of like going to the, to, the, uh, to the dealership to get your car maintenance done, right? You went in for an oil change, and if you come out needing a whole new damn transmission, you're going to be pissed because it's unexpected. But if you can anticipate these things, it makes the blow a little easier. And I feel like that's kind of in, in, in a grander scheme, that's kind of what my life is at this point. When it comes to my purpose, being a father, being a husband, um, you know, being in this realm as a public figure and still craving normalcy, right? Like, I'm not Hollywood, you know, like, I, I, I you know, your brother, I mean, he's one of my favorite viewers. You know, I, you know, Hollywood people would do what? Like, oh, just like their tweet and okay, yeah, thanks, bud. Mm -hmm. No, I engage. Hey, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your wife. I appreciate y'all's support. Yeah, y'all ride or die. You know, it's like, that's what I want people to understand for me as a news anchor. I'm just a regular guy like you. That's it. I'm just here to tell your story. And while TV is glitzy and glamorous, it has its hard days. But you know what? I love it so much that I will bear that burden for you to tell your story. You know? I hear that, man. I know, I know it gets tough. And I, I've talked to, um, you know, Julian, our mutual friend about right. that. And, you know, everybody has said, oh, I'm just going to flip the news off. Man, I'm tired. I can't watch the news anymore. What's well, like, well, dang, imagine reporting it and having to be, you know, that close to oh, sure. deaths and all this, you know, horrible stuff. But I wanted to ask you this, and I'm trying to, trying to think about how to word this question, Stefan. But yeah. so I knew you grew up in Baltimore. I knew it was, um, you know, just from what I know about Baltimore, right? probably pretty tough. So you just confirmed a lot of that. 
But then at the same time, I mentioned to you earlier today, like, I mean, you have your masters from Columbia. So that's not typical, obviously, for somebody that that grew up the way that you did and you did that. And part of the thing that I feel like kind of holds us back in general as a society, and I I think this is like, it's kind of, doesn't really see color because I know even in, even in my stance, like I grew up and I definitely didn't grow up with a ton of money, but I never missed a meal or anything like that. But what I'm getting at is that there's a certain, I feel like, like, um, coming from nothing is, you know, it's like a a badge, you know, it's almost like a thing, you know, Hey, I came from nothing and I've been able to make all this on myself, but I feel like also, you know, maybe it disconnects you from that relatability and stuff. And it just seems like you're so comfortable in your own skin and that you didn't, you know, just decide to to stay in Baltimore and, and, you know, make the most of yourself you could. I mean, you obviously did, did wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, is that tough? Was that difficult? And do you, you just operate every day like, hey, I'm just going to be myself and, and um, go for my dreams or what? Well, well, here's the thing. I'll make I'll make I'll make one um, uh, correction to what you said. And this is not to, to your fault, but I think it'll give perspective to Please, what yeah. it was for me. You know, you mentioned, you know, coming from nothing. I would say that's a falsehood. I say I would say I came from love mm-hmm. and authentic rearing where life is happening just outside of your door okay ain't no gated community all right you're gonna hear police sirens at night it just becomes a part of the niche right mm-hmm. but if i'm living in some wallet neighborhood hearing a police car oh my lord we're all out on our, our front steps with the rope on wondering what's this, what's going on yeah. the thing is is that in my realm i literally that's why i said earlier i'm a product of my environment you know and i always preach to people um you know that the difference between me and hell, I'll use Louisville as an example because I preach this too. The difference between me and a kid in the West End is simply opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's why this moment that we are in, forget the country, in this city, all right? The city where Breonna Taylor was killed by police, right? Where we had protests over the summer, right? And all of a sudden, now everybody had this awakening in light of George Floyd and, you know, businesses are getting on, 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 on board and, and realizing equity is important. Let's be clear. Equity is opportunistic right now, but the sad part is, is that there's enough people on board in this movement than ever before who will hold those people accountable. So it can't just all be a show because we can see what opportunity does for young people, especially young people of color. And I don't even like to say young people of color because guess what? You go to Portland, there are young white people, okay, Mm -hmm. who are poor who are just as bad as a, uh, you know, bad off the, as, I got as my a person of color. in Portland today. And I know that was where I, I spent a lot of time down there. My grandmother yeah. lived down there and it, everything you're saying, I mean, I was just down there and kind of, I guess I like a, a little funny tidbit, I guess that yeah. so I moved into a more urbanish area. I live in kind of like Germantown yeah. Highlands area. Yeah, for sure. Which I love it. Like, I mean, it's eclectic, but at the same time, like just a couple examples, like we laugh that my son who's two, he gets to learn about all the emergency services. Like we'll stand at the front door, We'll watch fire trucks, ambulances, police cars, and, yep. and we kind of laugh, but, um, uh, you know, but it has been good. We, we know the firemen, they'll stop and they'll kind of sure. show them. So I'm always trying to do that. It's like, hey, they're, we always say they're going to help somebody. They're going to help somebody. Let's, let's go yep. see, you know, who they're going to help. And then also, too, we got the luxury of um, I've had a shopping cart on my property since like pre-ice storm. So I've, been wait, I've been waiting for it to get warm. So we finally uh, pushed, the, pushed the shopping cart back up to Kroger. But yeah, I would agree, man, the city. And I'm like, right. So um, we moved here in July of 19 and essentially, man, I remember like it was like the protest helicopters and just all the extra activity was like such the norm. And it almost felt kind of uh, strange when it stopped. But I mean, you're right. There just couldn't be a more. I mean, we're kind of like the epicenter for, you know, hopefully for change. And at least at least a lot of the eyes of the country, you know, are continually on Louisville and kind of what we're doing and, and how we're handling this and if things are going to stop. And I was being kind of encouraged, you know, that things are are picking back up and that. Yeah, yeah, Louisville Louisville has great momentum going, man. You know, like I I tell people all the time that this this is why I took the steps in my career to go to the places I've went. You know, as a kid from Baltimore, you know, I started my on-air career in Charlottesville, Virginia. This is before the what Charlottesville became known for. Right. Mm. But hey, I was there right before that happened. So I can sit here and give you that insight as to how it's all brewing. Right. And then I go from there to Birmingham, Alabama. Why the hell would you do that, Stefan? Well, guess what? In college, I played baseball and I was a history major and I minored in African diaspora studies. I love this. I want, I want, to, go, I want to go be at the birthplace of civil rights and do stories there. That's how I thought about it. I said, oh, this is going to be a great experience. And like I said to you earlier in, in, in this show, 
dude, to this day, Birmingham remains and probably will remain my most favorite place that I've worked where I went through so many transformational feelings, right? Um, remember that summer of 2016? Hey, guess what? I covered Donald Trump on the campaign trail four times. I was at his rally there in Birmingham, Alabama, where his supporters beat up these Black Lives Matter protesters. A and Christmas Day I, tornado. I saw that. Too. Yeah, Christmas Day tornado. Uh, a mayor, a mayor who got who got a black eye by the local uh, convenience store owner in town because there was a, a allegation that his the the, the current mayor had uh, had a, had an affair with the man's wife. Wow. And, and I, I'm, dude, I can, I'll tell you not, I could go on and on about the crazy stories. Actually, the last story I, I covered before I came here to Louisville was about Roy Moore. You know, the, the judge, the judge who was, who was removed from his, removed from the bench at the Alabama Supreme Court twice and was still voted in by the people of Alabama. Now make that make sense. <laughs> and remember, he was going for that Senate seat that he eventually lost to Doug Jones and it was all these accusations that he was, um, you know, he was, uh, he liked young girls. And, you know, there was these uh, uh, sexual harassment and assault allegations and all these things. And that's the last story I go out on, you know, before I come to Louisville. And then obviously I get here, man. And, and, you know, I was reflecting on this earlier this week. I was talking to a couple of colleagues of mine, you know, to go from that uh, in Birmingham, which by the way, my first couple of stories in Birmingham, I covered the uh, same-sex marriage becoming law. And right after that, the, the, nine, the nine church members in Charleston, South Carolina were shot to death by Dylan Roof, mm -hmm. okay? So now we're talking about Confederate flags and monuments, and here I am, this good old boy from Baltimore, uh, just south of the Mason-Dixon, although they still consider us a Yankee, um, having to sit here and talk to people about their heritage, quote-unquote, and having to sit here and use my history degree and... Uh, a class I literally took in college about nothing but the Civil War. So now I've got to put my intellectuality to test as I'm talking to someone who feels indifferent about the color of my skin and, and what that symbol that is their heritage means to people like me. And dude, it built character because then you fast forward here to Louisville and what, what was this? I will never forget it. May 28th. It was a Friday night in Louisville, Kentucky, where the streets were out of control. Okay. And there I was in the center of it. And I tell people all the time, you know, that night, you know, our station, they give, they give like security crew, they give security guards to each, each crew, right? Dude, somehow me and my uh, photographer, our security guy, he never caught up with us. And so he ended up doubling up with somebody else's crew. And I, and I liked it better that way because I'm like, dude, it's just the people. It's just the people. When you're in the community, all these people ain't going to hurt you, man. And guess what? Not a scratch, not even close. And I saw people I covered stories about. I, I saw people I saw at community events. I saw people on the other side of the issue. And as I'm seeing, I'm like, okay, hey, you know, they give me the real, real what's going on. And obviously you had some agitators that come in from outside or whatever, the, whatever would have you, right? Um, and it was at that moment that I realized I was doing a duty for the people by telling all the different perspectives happening that night, right? Because you go read one blog post on somebody's Facebook and something on Twitter. It's like, oh, don't go down to Louisville. It's dangerous down there. Or, oh, we got to back the blue this. And, oh, well, well, Black Lives Matter. It's like, well, there's actually a lot of different things going on at one time. And we can be empathetic for all sides of this. Not saying it in an all lives matter response. But if we lead with empathy, which I think is probably the biggest word to come out of this past year, then we can understand how this is th everything that happened this past summer in Louisville had to happen. It had to happen exactly the way it happened because now you see this momentum happening in this city. Look at the sports complex out in, out, uh, in West Louisville. Amazing. Great work by Sadiqa Reynolds. You've got a, 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 a gentleman down at the, the, uh, the basketball place that where, you, where, where your daughter plays basketball out here providing mm -hmm. opportunities to young, young boys of color, okay, um, to, get the, to keep them out from the streets. I've done a story with him. So I guess I say all in all, all of my life experiences, all of my career choices, it's all been intentional, right? Even to frustration, because that allows me to continue to be the authentic person I need to be to know that I'm not too good nor too brighter, too much brighter than the next guy out here. You know, look at us being, you know, we're, we're conversing. We met 
by happenstance when we linked up at Taco Freaking City. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you, I didn't even know your brother was the viewer who tweets all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's what it means to be a genuinely good person because most people, when they see you, they think you're going to be this Devo and all that. Oh, I love when they come in with that expectation because I just knock the shocks off and I just get to know them. I just be a normal person, which is super important. And, you know, hell, as a new dad, let me tell you, that's why I say I can't wait till she gets to the age where she comprehended what I'm saying because that's what we really going to understand. I said, she's going to be free-spirited. I'm over here watching how I speak, right? Because as men, right, we, we sometimes can become naive to our posturing and not be empathetic to, you know, the needs of our, our female counterparts. And so imagine for you, I know, raising one, you, you're having to rethink everything. You're like, well, how am I treating women, right? Mm-hmm. How am I, how am I um, do I have any type of uh, willful ignorance? Am I being the guy? Because what does being the guy even mean these days, right? You know, is it this heterosexual, masculine, alpha male dog? Uh, probably not. And if it is, it's that pro- the guy probably has some emotional issues that are buried deep down. So that's why it's super important for us, especially as dads, right? To continue to check ourselves, our purpose and our ego, right? And our grudges that we want to hold, which I think has probably been the biggest lesson I've learned since becoming a dad is don't hold grudges. And trust me, I can hold a real good one. Oh, I'm stubborn as hell. But what what guy out here isn't, right? But I'm learning, you got to, it's just like being a relief pitcher, bro. And for me, it's like being back in college pitching, short-term memory. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of good days, but when you got the bad one, don't dwell on it, man. It's, hey, the next play. We can, we can put that in any sport, right? All this shit is relative, you know? And, and if we keep that in mind and we, we, we lead with empathy and we don't go and think about, well, what about me? But instead start thinking about, well, how would that make someone else feel? Like there's jokes and, you know, hell, you know, it's kind of locker room talk, if you will, um, you know, where, you know, in sports happenstance, we say some funny shit that kind of is cruel. Hell, it happens in newsrooms a lot. Mm-hmm. If they had freaking bugs or in our newsroom, we'd probably all be getting sued for some random crazy stuff we say. But guess what? It's how we cope, right? It's kind of a guy way of doing things. It's kind of like, you know, have spouses. They, we, we all bitch about each other to each other. And then once we realize it's a shared experience, we love our spouse that much more because we're like, oh, it's okay. It's not just me. Okay, all right. We know this going in and it's, it's going to be all good. And that, and, that, and that goes from your spouse to the random person you meet on the street. Treat them with respect. You know, it, it doesn't have to be divisive. You know, even those that want to lead with, 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 with being divisive and, you know, whether they're Trumpers or they're the other or whatever, I always tell people, if you lead with love regardless you will feel you would take it that less personal when people do you wrong that you still might have done well or uh when people who curse you that you were you had good intention in helping or being there for because not everybody's going to meet the mark drew you know but if you leave with that love regardless man you're setting a great example for your children to let them know hey it's okay hey it's okay to still spread love even though there are very very um, defeating things happening in our world, right? Because let me tell you, I don't know how you felt when your first kid was coming or hell, even the second one. But as my kid was coming in, I'm just like, you know what? I'm ready to train her up to do up, to be the fierce young lady she is going to grow into being. She's going to be a sassy, very sure of herself, smart, sharp kid. She's very alert now, but I just got sitting here thinking, I ain't worried about the atrocities of life because what is, well, whatever hap- what happens will happen. But I know that I'm going to, to lead her to not be fearful, to not stand for hate or misogyny or any of these things that are tearing the country apart and have so for decades. I don't want to make it sound like some new thing, right? Um, but it definitely makes you think about your own character as a person, as a man, you know, and what, you, what, what part you can do in society. And we're not perfect, right? We all, we, you know, I always tell people, I say, we're all, we all ain't shit. It's just a degree to which you ain't shit. Right. And, and you got to sit here and be able to check yourself um, on it immediately. You don't have time five years down the road like we used to do when our early 20s, you know, we're stubborn about our emotions because of whatever person or whatever confusion we have in our in our soul. You know, it's time to grow up. And so, you know, all that shit's relative to society because we carry that mental weight, that mental load around with us every day. And we got to be on for the various roles we play. Dad, brother, son, me. Cause you know, you got to save some of me for me, mm-hmm. you know, that's very important. I tell my wife that all the time. I actually, when we first started dating uh, almost six years ago now, you know, I told her, I said, Hey, I think you're a cool chick. 
but I want you to know everything about me. I'm going to be very transparent with you. And I just want you to know that independence is of the utmost importance, no matter how close we may get. All right. Don't lose who you are. Keep your friends because guess what? It may be one day where I piss you off and don't hit the mark. I don't want you to just be out here lonely. I'd rather you have your damn yeah. friends. Please well, understand yeah. you're going to lose some along the way, but please stay in touch with your friends. Go do things that make you happy. You know, when she first had the baby, I think after the first week, I said, babe, go run errands. Go, go get your eyebrows done. Go, go get your nails done. I, I got the baby. Just leave me enough milk because if you don't, I'm going to die. Um, but, you know, go do your thing. It's fine. And she felt guilty, of course. But, you know, it's just the making that independency thing okay and not a, well, I've been doing this all day. You know, it's just like, why do, you have, why do we have to fall into the typical narratives that come with yeah. blessings, right? I'm Whether it be getting married or anything else like that. Yeah, that's well said. I'm fortunate enough. My wife's the same way, especially like, I mean, gosh, all this stuff, like even this now, this is not, this is part-time job for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. It definitely causes some friction sometimes, but we're, we're very much um, lockstep where like, you know, if someone has an opportunity to go do something they enjoy, like I'm not going to yeah. make a fuss of it just to sit next to them on the couch. But right. yeah, man, all that was well said. I'm going to start, uh, we got to start rolling through some of the dad pod sure. topics. Everyone's going to want to know from the questions. But first we got to start out with the baby. Cause if I'm not mistaken, right. Baby's birthday was February 24th, right? Uh, no. So that was when I posted about it. So the baby's birth, the baby was actually born on the 20th. Oh, okay. The 20th, which was a Saturday, 2.08 p.m. 2.08 p.m. Was it like, uh, did she like went in? It wasn't like a scheduled come in type day. I guess it was a Saturday. No. It was so, like water break situation. So, 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 so first of all, I just have to give kudos to my baby Devin because she was listening to me since she was in the womb. Like <laughs> she would move upon hearing my voice or touch. So like, I totally had that down. Mom was totally jealous. And I literally kept telling her like, baby, please don't come while your mother's at home. Um, Cause I don't want to clean that up. And if you could just, if you could just, you know, go ahead and break that water while your mommy's at work. Cause my wife works in labor and delivery where she actually had the baby. I'm like, that'll be great. And then please don't do it in the middle of my work week because like I'm very scheduled and organized. Not that you'll listen to this, but if you just, you know, want to do a little favor for dad, hey, baby. So dude, on a Friday night, I was, I, I, I lie to you now, I'm gonna give you every detail of this. I was in Royals Hot Chicken after I got off work. It was about maybe 30 minutes before they closed. I'm sitting here sipping my bourbon slushy, loving life. It's a Friday. My wife's at work. I'm talking on the phone with uh, one of my closest friends. And I'm literally about to talk to him about, uh, I, I was talking to him about how she, my wife had sent me the sonogram where the baby's eyes were open for the first time. You could see them wandering. I was like, dude, it just hit me different. And then I was literally about to ask him about, all right, so walking through this water breaking situation, what do I, what, do, what can I expect? Right. Guess who's calling on the other line? My wife. And she's like, um, Hey, you know, bearing the goddamn lead. And I'm like, yeah, I think my water, but I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, so what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I'm like, okay, do I throw away the bourbon slushy? Um, do I wait for the chicken tenders? Uh, what, what do I do? She's like, oh, she's like, I'm just letting you know it broke. You don't have to rush. If you want to just run home and. Uh, hey, before I got to stop that. you there. Cause that was the advice they gave me. I went to the class. It was awkward. And they said that, and we listen. Cause like when you're there and like in the movies, when the water breaks, you're <laughs> zero to a hundred, you're at the hospital. And they were cool. And I appreciate it. They were like, if your water breaks, you need to just chill pack yourself a bag, go, go get something to eat was probably the best advice. Cause they're like, look, you're not going to get to eat when you get to the hospital. So we did do that. You know, they're like, Hey, you know, yeah. bacteria and stuff, you don't want to be waiting yes. all like four hours, but give yep. it a couple hours. You'll be glad you did. And then my wife was in labor for gosh, like 20 something hours. So I know, wow. I know she was fortunate, but yeah, until, until a medical professional tells you when the water breaks, you don't have to like speed demon to the hospital i don't i don't know that i would have believed it dude, dude well and that's the thing so my wife is the medical professional right and she's like i'm like are you sure i mean i'm asking and i'm like okay all right got me frantic as hell and i don't know if i should throw these fucking chicken tenders away or not and so dude i went home and after i calmed down i was like just getting excited because i'm like oh my god it's about to happen it's about to happen dude i just calmed down and i sat there and i got changed got everything where it needed to be set it next to the door and i said you know what I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to pop these, chi these chicken tenders in my air fryer to get them a little crisp. I'm going to drink the rest of this bourbon. So actually add a little bit more bourbon to it. And I went and got my comfortable shoes set on my couch. And I watched, uh, I think I watched CNN at 10 o'clock. And I said, you know, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this. Cause this may not, this is probably never going to happen again. And I ate it and I enjoyed it. And I had this 30 minutes of like pure, like, you know, euphoria of like just forgetting what happened. 
And then literally at 10 30, I'm like, oh shit, okay, the water broke and the baby's on the way. All right, I gotta go. And I get there and I'm just waiting. And she's trying to get through this process. And then obviously we had to go, um, we had to get through um just you know the centimeters or whatnot. And I think it got to be like four in the morning. I ended up getting there like 11. She called me like 9.30 at night. Um, but it was like four in the morning. I just like, look, I am no good to any of you. Mind you, all of her coworkers work there. So it's like, they're coming in and out. And um, they woke me up again at like seven. They're like, oh, we're at nine centimeters. I'm like, oh, yay. Then the baby just sat there for nine. And so from like eight in the morning, I'm not eating. I haven't eaten anything. And at this point, I think it was at like noon when we started to, uh, the, the nurse had checked and, you know, she's like, oh, all right, I think we might be good. And so we're pushing and took about 90 minutes to do the pushing before the baby came out. Thought I wasn't going to look, but I looked, I looked mm, and it's okay. Same, it's okay. Same. It's okay. It's fine. I just, I said for months, dude, months, I was not cutting the cord. I had a, like a nightmare about like them giving me some like dull scissors <laughs> and I was just like trying to cut the cord with like, like tongs or something and I was like I'm not doing it I'm not doing it but then you know in, in the moment I, I did I did and yeah I said I wasn't watching and I did and I ain't gonna lie for uh, short term it did it did kind of mess me up not you know not that it matters because mom needs the recovery time but it was a little definitely didn't expect to um to be as involved as I was I was like let the, let the professionals Dude. do this but I was I was right there I feel like I helped Dude. I literally would just, my first thought and, and, and this is me being completely honest in seeing I'm like I can't compete with that, with that, with, with, with that circumference. I can't, I'm sorry. I just cannot. <laughs> and I hope that something helps it get back together. Cause otherwise I, I'm a goner. I'm a yeah. goner. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely. But, I mean, I was a little worried too. I mean, women, <laughs> women's bodies are amazing just to go through that man. And probably my wife too. Cause she's right. She said the other day, cause I have a big old fat baby. I mean, he's humongous. And she always say, can you believe he came out of my body? And oh my never Lord. Cause Shout out to them for bouncing back. All right, I'm going to roll through some topics here real quick because everyone's yeah. going to want to know. So we always ask, um, yours will be a really good um, kind of a stage in your, in your fatherhood to ask this yeah. question. So it's Thursday night, so kind of tail of the week. I know you're kind of probably still have a little time off, but still applicable. So the question is, what did the fam do for dinner tonight? What did the fam do for dinner tonight? Um, kind of disappointing. Uh, McDonald's. I did Burger King. We're the worst. Uh, I know, but it was so convenient and it was. It really surprises me, and like, please don't like take this to heart. Um, yeah. but it does surprise me that you eat um a lot of fast food. So if you're not um familiar with Stefania and watch them on the news or anything, I know I've seen you in person. I mean, you're an in shape dude. It's it's uh, not hard to believe that you know. You it's so kind of you. Like, <laughs> you're you're definitely um. Uh, a, a tone guy so it surprised me because there's so many mcdonald's shamers out there and i'm always like look people shame they're haters they're haters you eat fast food probably and if you're gonna eat fast food um mcdonald's is, is pretty damn good uh yeah uh and it's pretty cheap on a dollar menu they yeah. never done me wrong they've been saving lives out here forever and chick-fil-a that's bay just yes. want to put that well now i mean like i said we so we tried to i gotta i gotta talk about this because it was it's so applicable to this question but we tried so we're those type of people that usually by Thursday, which is a great day to ask, we're in a fight about dinner. You know, we're tired. We're like, oh, my, yeah. I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean. So we tried to do the Hello Freshes and the, the meals sent yeah. to you, you know. So we yeah. did that three weeks in a row. And it wasn't bad. I see why people do it. It's kind of in between, like, cheap making tacos and, like, some meal from scratch, you know. But yeah. there's a little work to it. But ultimately, um, it is pretty cheap. Though. I think it was like under $100 for five meals um, for basically three and a half of us. But anyway, wow. I don't know if any listeners um, the, to the Kentucky Dad podcast have done that, have any advice. But, man, we struggle with dinner. I just feel like our diet sucks, and there's just never a good answer. Dude, I'm just going to start fasting. I feel like that's, like, going to be yeah. the best way because then I can think less about what I'm going to eat. Like, that's yeah. my stress every day. Like, okay, what do I want to eat today that I haven't eaten, like, in the past three days? It really is, man. And I said you add the family in with a, a baby. I have a thirteen year old in the schedule. So yeah, we got we gotta work on that. We're gonna keep um we're gonna keep brainstorming this summer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. figure, the grill though. The grill's gonna be a game changer. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get over I gotta get over to Jim Dad's place, man. I mean he oh, just yeah, like he, keeps like killing us on Twitter and like I have not been able to be blessed with 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 the the grill well you know it's hilarious so so uh, again we have stefan dingo from wlky um with us on the dad podcast so he's talking about my brother my only brother huge into grilling bourbon um really really into like smoking meats and all that and it's hilarious for a couple of reasons one i don't really drink bourbon believe it or not i just i don't know, i just never picked it up I have nothing against it. i love hearing about it, learning about it 
Um, I think it's a cool hobby that I know a lot of people here in the Commonwealth share. But secondly, I am perfectly man enough to sit here on a Thursday night and admit that my wife does the growing in our family because she's Lit. far more patient than me. I'm just not patient. I can't do it. So, <laughs> so you're, you're the air fryer. She's the conventional brother. oven. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. What else? Oh, hey, here's a really good one for you. So I know. Um, so you used to do mornings and now you um, you're on evenings, correct? Yep. So paramount change there. I know we've talked about it a lot with news people. Morning, morning's not even fair. It's basically like you work in the middle of the night is a better way to put it. So, <laughs> so your schedule has been, you've had different, you know, parts of your career where schedule's different. Now you got the baby. So um, one of the questions we always ask our guests is, so through your normal, let's say like weekly routine, do you drink more coffee, soda, or alcohol? Um, you say coffee, soda, or alcohol? Correct. Um, to be honest, I mean, I, I used to be like coffees every day on the morning shift. Like you just have to have mm-hmm. it. Like if you don't like screw you and I want to know how you did it. Um, but I needed it. So it was a daily, but like, since I've been on the evening since October, I don't really, dr- I tried to drink coffee and make it a part of my day, but it's just like, uh, I, I actually, I didn't drink coffee before I got on the morning show, like ever. Like, I just wasn't a coffee guy. But it, then I realized I needed I found my little niche and how I like it and all that. Um, but then once I was off, I just kind of gave it up. Alcohol is more of a social thing for me. Like, like my cabin is filled with liquor, but, like, I'm not going to drink by myself necessarily. Like, but if you came over, then they're like, hey, let's grab a drink. Okay, sure. So I guess I would say soda. And, and here's the asterisk to it. I usually don't drink sodas. I'm more of, like, a water guy. I try to, you know, I try to be healthy, you know. But I am a sucker for ginger ale. It's like oh, it's yeah. like the black people's medicine, by the way. Like they like black mamas think that ginger ale fix everything. Like, oh my god, I got shot. Like, okay, well, go drink ginger ale and lay down, and you'll be hey, fine. I, I, I have that too. <laughs> hey, if I have a little throat ache, I'm all about you. I'm not going to get into the LA topic because I've talked about it on. Here, oh like, my god! <laughs> so I know everyone's sick of hearing about it. But we'll have to link up uh, off um, off air about that because I've um I've switched to that stuff. Man, I've lost weight. Anyway, all right, I'm not. I've done yeah. this so many times. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> No more LA talk. They're not sponsoring us. So forget them. Um, all right, here's a good one. This is going to be easy. I think you actually already mentioned it um, yeah. once, but so I'll, I'll put a caveat in. And if you can't meet that, that's okay. Yeah. But the question is, um, do you remember when your last good cry was? And the caveat I'm going to throw in is if you, I mean, it's going to be real easy probably to relate it to a newborn. So if you have one that's not related to your newborn, um, share that one. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so by the way, I actually did not cry. Um, because I think for me, it was more, I was just so genuinely overcome with like excitement. Yeah. I didn't cry the day it was again. It's my side. I didn't cry the day. Of. There's just so much going on. It's, hard it's so much going on. And, and it's like my, my wife's coworkers are looking at me and they know I'm the news guy. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want them to be like, Oh my God, I was in there with the news guy. I was crying. I didn't want to do that. But I feel like when I will cry is when my daughter starts to get to those developmental stages where she's, you know, talking and she's wanting to play with dad. Like those going to be cool for me, you know? For sure. Um, but non-baby, good cry. Uh, so I go to Cincinnati to get my hair cut, believe it or not. My barber's from Louisville. She's cut my hair here in Louisville for the past like three years. And then she moved and I'm a loyalist and I don't mind giving out of Louisville for a little bit. And so uh, typically when I take that drive, that's like my spiritual hour. I usually go alone, you know, since he's like an hour and a half. And I actually love gospel music, especially old school gospel music. I love listening to T.D. Jake's uh, kind of his little quick um, sermons that it's like 30 minutes long. Because again, as we go through all these things that I mentioned on the early, early in this podcast, you go through a lot, you know, so I kind of look to the word as kind of a reprieve to help me understand things going on in my life. And I use the gospel music as a way to interpret um, the things that are going on in my life and also to find that encouragement. And so I was literally in the car and just kind of putting together everything that was going on in my life at that time. Uh, and this is probably a month ago. Or, no, I would say a month and a half ago because baby was born a month ago. Um, when I got a haircut and I was on my way back and I'm listening to this gospel song um, that is called uh, God is Standing By. I literally have to send you the link because it's like it will get your, it will get your blood pumping. But it's called God is Standing By and it's a big gospel mass choir song. And the words of the lyrics are saying, you know, there's no need to cry. There's no need to fear uh, because God is standing by. And it, it just talks about how, you know, you'll go through strife in life. And it's really okay. Like, 
difficulties and, and, and adversity is not anything new to you because God is literally by, like standing by. And it was like, for me as a man, I'm driving in my car and I'm one embarrassed at myself because I'm like, oh my God. So this is what my grandmother would be crying all about. And I would laugh for her when I was a kid. But I'm like, I totally get it now. Um, because when you hear these songs, you relate to your life, it just hits you. And so for me as a man, it's like, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders, you know? I'm like the news guy where I got a, I got a lot of people wanting some piece of me in some way mm. and I got to do what I'm, I'm destined to do, but then I got to make sure I'm good. And then I also have to be a husband and I'm preparing to be a father, which I still can't believe that I am about to be a father. And it's like, it all came crashing at once. And it was kind of like, oh my God, I'm so grateful. I'm so appreciative to what God has blessed me with. And for instilling humility in me where sometimes I, I piss some people off because you're like you're being fake humble i'm like no this is really like like i'm super chill about it and in fact if you meet me and if you don't already know i'm on the news i kind of don't want to talk about the fact that i'm on the news and you probably won't know or if like i'm talking to somebody I'm like what do you do for a living i'm like oh i work for a communications company and then if they ask two more questions down, I still have caveats for that oh i work for hearst corporation they won't know what that is because it's like i don't want that to be at the forefront of who you see me as. I want you to see me for me, right? This real guy who is relatable, is empathetic, and is a guy you want to go have a drink with, you know, or have lunch with and just shoot, shoot the shit. And if you've got something going on, hey, I try to, I try to you know, um, I always pray in my daily prayers that, I, that God put positions me to allow people to see in me him working, right? And so when I hear that song in the car and I'm like just thinking about my life because my mind is always on overthink mode and calculating every little thing, right? And it was kind of a moment of vulnerability where it was just like, it's okay to just kind of collapse and just be, you know, and to, to give thanks and to be emotional about that, uh, which is something I've, I've been heavily advocating um, to people out here, especially when it comes to mental health. Like I see a mental health therapist once a month. That's my investment on myself. You know, yeah. to make sure that my, 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 all my pieces under the hood are, are operating on a good, good, good plane, right? Because if I'm no good up there, I'm no good to anyone. And so you put all those things together and believing in something, right? Because you may not believe in God. You may believe in something else. You may not believe in anything at all. Um, or you may be an atheist, I should say. But we all have to believe in something to get through this thing called life, right? Because if we don't have anything to believe in, we don't believe that, hey, there's a higher power or, hey, there might be life after death. We'll walk through life killing ourselves sooner than we need to be killed. I tell people all the time, if God is ready to come and get me, hey, I guess I'll be ready. But I ain't ready to go yet. I still got a lot to do. And I know that he has positioned me in a way that is still mind-blowing, right? And here's the real shout of it all, and I'll shut up, you know, is that, I, in that car, when I had the crying moment, I also realized that God has really blessed me with so many things that I suppress because I'm always on to what's the next thing? What's the next thing? That's the ambition in me. Um, and he's blessed me anyhow, although I don't even deserve it. Because I'm sure you could think about things in your life that you may have done and maybe would have been a bad decision or may not have been God-like, right? Um, but somehow you still got blessed or you got hooked up in a way where you couldn't even explain it. Oh, yeah. Right? It goes back to the beginning of what I said. I can't, I can't quote scripture. I can only tell you about my experience with God or whomever it, the higher power is, right? Uh, because to your point, as a kid from Baltimore City, growing up in poverty, make it to college as a first-generation college student, playing a sport to study history and then go to an Ivy League school to then have a TV career, How, make that make sense amazing and maybe you know? i needed to hear that more than anyone man because i've actually and i'll just tell on myself i've been doing a terrible job of, of wearing all my hats lately and even worse Stefan, even worse than not doing a good job lately i've been like boisterous like like even just i had the busiest day ever like i, I got off work early that's why i was just bitching complaining right. like i got off work at three i went to portland to get my vaccine i had to go um run a quick errand like home depot my wallet got stolen last week so i tried to oh play my that didn't work get my son from daycare my car's in the shop, so I had to pick up my wife from work. I got my daughter. This is, like, my timeline. And took my daughter to basketball and then had to go back and get her. So, like, and I was just complaining. I, was, I can't I, – I, it's easier when I'm sitting at work than when I'm home. And I was complaining. Yep. And then I just got feel bad. And now I'm like, you know, now I'm making my kid feel bad for getting taken to basketball practice. And so I need to do a better job of that. So it was good that, um, that you told me. And I did want to share one quick story on my cry because it was sure, on my mind sure. this week. 
Um, normally, I can just think of something throughout the week. But, man, this one was on my mind. And I'm going to try not to be even emotional telling it. Um, cause it's special. Hey, let it, look, let it out, man. Let it but out. Shoot. It's, uh, it's more almost like, it's kind of funny at the same time, but, uh, I know what it was. So uh, the smoke alarm went off yesterday in my house. We were cooking one of the dinnerly meals and my son, you know, he's too, it's so loud. He freaks out crying and crying. And my wife reminded me. So there was a time, um, at our old home, we lived in like a cookie cutter subdivision type thing. Same thing. The fire alarm went off. We were cooking or the smoke detector beeps, you know, no big deal, whatever. We were just in the, we had a much larger home at the time. So, we fan all the smoke out, you know, whatever. Then we're sitting like, where's Lily? Where's Lily? Like, we're looking for Lily. We had forgot all about the smoke alarm, you know, looking for Lily. Finally, like 10 minutes later, I think my daughter was maybe like, uh, maybe nine or so at the time. Bro, she was standing in the street crying. And oh I go out Lord. there and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, that's what they taught her to do at school, bro. I was, oh my I was Lord. like, my heart just, every time I tell that story, I think about it, like, yeah. It just makes me want to hug my daughter and just it just makes you feel like how much responsibility you have to teach your kids things and be yeah. there for them when they need, you know, advice or corrections Absolutely. on that. And just I guess mostly um, and it, that's why I really just oh, it angers me so bad when kids aren't um, shown the right things and stuff. And nothing makes yeah. me more upset because they're just so impressionable. Like, absolutely. If I tell my kid, hey, go to school and I want you to tell that stupid teacher she's dumb. And she doesn't know what she's talking about, like the Kevin Hart thing. Like, they're going to do it. And it's just, it, it burns me, I guess, sometimes when, when kids aren't taught the right thing. But, man, like, when I saw, when I think about my daughter standing in the street crying, hoping that I'm going to come out because she thinks the house is on fire. And um, she said, hey, Dad, I, you know, I promised them at school, whatever, the Smokey the Bear, whoever comes to school. Um, she takes everything literally, man. So that, yeah. that was just one that resonated with me this weekend. Little girls, man, I know it's going to be – uh, whew, it's it's a challenge when but they you know, come, but it's more it's growing every day too. But can I but can I get can I just give offer this small piece of advice because I, I totally I totally feel you on that. I think that what I have realized is this is the task we are made for, right? Dad's gonna get it done. You got it done, Dad. Today mm -hmm. you got it done. And the the the, the caveat in that is you have to flip that on its head immediately. You have to know that going in. Oh man, this is this day is just some shit, right? But know that somebody's always watching and know that literally the trials and tribulation that come your way, these are challenges, my friend. These are challenges for you to get it done because this is what it means to be a man of your household and a man of your family. And you got to think about what your children are going to say, especially your daughter, right? Especially your son who has to grow up to be this man that he wants to be, whatever type of man that may be. But you would hope that they'll be able to be, I don't know, uh, let's say 17. And I don't know, they want to write a speech because they're about to graduate and they want to give kudos to their dad. Um, I'm, yeah, what, are they going? what are they going to say? You know, my dad worked hard. My dad had tough days. And you know what? He still made it happen. You know, my dad, he had this thing go on and, you know, his car broke down. And, you know, he still made, uh, got me to practice and allow me to play basketball, you know, or you know what, uh, my, something, it was burning in the house, and I ran outside, and I was super scared, but you know, my dad came out there, he comforted me. Hey, if nothing you know? else, I always say that too, and I try to tell myself that, if nothing else, um, she's gonna say I was there, I was yep. always there, absolutely, always right next to her, and I'm, I'm really blessed too, because me, I mean, me and my daughter, we're basically like 19, 20 years apart, so I mean, now we go places, and uh, now they, oh my gosh, man, now I'm getting asked if it's on the same check when we go out, <laughs> <laughs> so that that's tough for me but we're, we really are we're best friends I'm really lucky and uh my daughter's awesome she's gonna she's gonna accomplish some big time things um oh, I have no she doubt does. she's I great have no doubt um uh, but man this is good stuff all good stuff we didn't even hit everything we'll have to do it again but um I yeah no please let me know joke. man I have a yeah. great dad joke I never have a good one I'm really really excited about my dad joke <laughs> um but do you want to go first or you want me to go first um you know I'll let you go first because mine's is kind of really lame you know, okay, I, told um, you, I told you to make it lame. Uh, you know, they, the lamer, the better. Um, but I, I tried this one out on my wife. She even, she even thought it was okay. So, all right, here we go. So my dad <laughs> joke for today, kicking off the dad podcast. Thanks again for everyone for listening. Here we go. So did you hear about the mermaid who could do math? No. She always wore her algae bra. <laughs> I like that one a lot. That was good. That's one of my best ones I brought, guys, so write that one down. <laughs>
Wait, so did you come up with this one on your own? Oh, no, no. Or you no. just looked I'm, them up? I'm, I'm fully admitted. I, I Google them and kind of pick pick the best one out. I rarely, rarely. So, re- here, look, so here I am feeling the pressure. I'm like, oh, my God. You made an original? I don't, I don't, I don't want to cheat. Oh, but it's no, like, you. it's not really an original. It's kind of like what I say to my kid now, but it's like totally like pushes the envelope, but it's like funny if you're around. So, uh, you know, my baby is uh, going to be, what's today? Is today the 18th? Yes, today's the 18th. So two more days, she'll be a month old. And so you know what comes with that. Just cry, 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 cry. Different octanes of crying. Oh, and more crying. Oh, and wincing too, and more crying. And so my baby feels like, she's just like my wife. It's like, they're like scared to fall asleep because they feel like they're going to miss something. And my wife admits it totally. She's like easily startled, all this other stuff. And so sometimes when the baby has just been fed, I mean, clean her butt, I'm sitting here rocking her and I can see her literally going through the stages of trying to go to sleep. And she'll then all of a sudden try to fight it and then start crying again. And so I guess my dad joke is, what do you call a crying baby in their first two to five months of being on earth? A mother faker, a mother faker. (laughs) Because that's literally what I call it. I say. You're such a mother faker. Gosh, and you know what? Like original good dad jokes. You and Mike Rutherford, man. Now I'm, now I'm upset. That was really good. And, and Mike <laughs> Rutherford was also really good. Everyone else, we just kind of throw duds out there and we, we give our fake laughs. But man, that, that, that is true. And I know I have a mama's boy, that's for sure, which I honestly don't mind because I'm trying to be there for the throw the ball and all that. And you skin yeah. your knee, I'll grab mom. Uh-huh. Listen, well, you know, and, and you know, I, I think even even me doing that kind of joke, right? I, I try to signal to my wife and to remind myself that, you know what, look, this is what this baby's going to do. This baby, it's not her fault. She's crying. It's just a stage, you know, and you, again, short-term memory. And so for me, being able to talk my shit the way that I do, because I, I would consider myself a lovable asshole. I could be very sarcastic. And so I totally expect that my daughter will uh, adopt this. And it's like, I can't wait to like start talking shit, like to my kid. And like they kind of dish it back, but like make it a household where where they respect me with the utmost, right? But like it's a jovial, like kind of loose household where we understand what we have to do, but it's it's okay to be loose and fun and, and be joke and be jokey and like sports and you know, be all in together on whatever. Um, and so for me, it's it's normalizing of being able to command the crying. We were reading this book about how to get your kid to sleep for 12 hours, and one of the lines out of the book literally said um your kid is coming into your life you're not coming into into theirs so you you make them adjust to what you're doing and not the other way around and i lie to you not the first week i was home i mean that's what it was we our life revolved around her and since then and since our experience of getting advice from you know confidants who we saw in real life action them parenting I was like, well, hell yeah. I was like, well, her ass, is, she, could, she could cry for a little bit, get your lungs loose a little bit, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be bothered by it. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk to you. I, look, I'll be even blow a little wind in her face when she wants to get to these different octane levels of crime, like we're killing her or something. And I just go, and it's okay. You can't get your way right now. And guess what? It's going to be fine. Okay? It's going to be fine. Because I also don't plan to raise a brat, if you will, uh, or to have a kid who's very... Um, uh, 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 spoiled or disrespectful because discipline is super important to me when it comes to just being respectful. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And, 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 you know, if your parents calling you, yes, you know, or, or, or responding in a way that is adequate to respect of your parents, you know, um, because to me, I just see that as a sign of what that person will become. Right. And I think, hell, even if you being a parent so far, you probably have seen some examples of, some other kids where you'd be like, oh, I see why they like that, yeah. you know, based on household, based off parents or their nuclear or non-nuclear situation. It all varies, right? Yeah, but my oftentimes it's some, some validation of that very thing because, again, I, we can't get into the, the teenage girl cell phone right. drama, but <laughs> oh, gosh. teenage girl cell phone drama um, over the weekend. And, you know, based off the evidence from the device, I was able to validate against some kids that I had questions about their parents and you're right. And a yeah. lot of maybe some, some poor behavior. Sure. Down. Sure. And, and, and that's what we just hope to avoid in our children. Right. Which I think we will. I think it's just a matter of, you know, exposing them to a lot of different things, different kinds of people, walks of life and normalizing what people in this country right now are literally being divisive over. 
you know, Mm -hmm. whether a black life matters, whether an LGBTQ person can exist in whatever realm. I mean, how tired are we uh, hearing? Oh, the first person to do this. It's like, dude, it's about time. Let's like get on with it. You know, like, why are we resisting what, what makes this country great? Right. Which is all of its colors and isms. You're right, man. Well, good stuff, dude. You brought a lot of good points of view. Gave me some great advice. Um, had tons of energy for a new dad too. Good for you, man. It's awesome. Listen, man. Look, <laughs> I, you know this, and this is at the end of the end of a long day, right? And after a workout, so you know it's got to be real. But seriously, it's the biggest blessing of my life, and you know I, I just look forward to um, all of the the small victories that you get in this thing that I'm sure you're already aware of. Um, so this is this has been a pleasure, man. I I, I was happy to do it. Good, man. Well, keep being you. Keep telling your stories. And again, I appreciate everybody listening. Every time I do one of these, it gives me energy. Um, not to say I don't with the Cats by 90 podcast, so make sure you're checking that out, too. I know uh, me and Aaron will, will, will probably get some of those in this summer, talking about the rosters and all that stuff. But, man, these really give me energy. If you're a dad, if you're not a dad, I appreciate you listening. Um, got some pretty good guests lined up, too. I finally started sh- shooting out some messages now that um, – a lot of people's seasons are over or, you know, winding down from high school sports and all that stuff. So please make sure you're following us at Kentucky Dad Pod. That would be awesome. Leave a review on iTunes would be even better. Appreciate you guys, and we will check you.